Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Good morning, families. Hey, great to be with you this morning. Hey, I'm going to challenge the... uh, Hey, kids, if you want to come up here, you're welcome to come and be in the front. If you want to be up here with me, it's okay. Parents, they can stay with you, but if kids want to come, uh, they can uh, this morning. It's okay. Chill on the floor. Come chill here. It's all good. I'm not going to bite you uh, this morning. Um, Hey, um, hello. If you could come join me up here. (laughs) Say hi to everybody. Say hi to everybody. (laughs) Oh, we, we go sit down right here. Sit down right here. This stuff. So, hey, um, I know this morning, this morning, we wanted to pour into you as a family this morning in this family service because I'm getting you ready because tomorrow is Halloween where our church is doing an outreach that we're going to pour into the families of the community. So we need to be poured into first that we would be encouraged and built up as families so we can model what that family looks like to a neighborhood that needs to come and see what the church family looks like and what that's important. So I want to come tomorrow, not if either come and if you're serving, we thank you for your service tomorrow night. If you just want to bring your families and enjoy the, 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 the trunk or treat here tomorrow, we just want to invite you to, to come out and be a part of that tonight, uh, tomorrow night. Starts at 6, 6 to 8 tomorrow. We've done this annually. It's been a blessing to the community, a blessing to all that's going on. Hey, we're going to continue on in the Gospel of John, but I'm, a, I'm changing it up a little bit this morning as we have kids in the room, and we're going to be talking about that and directing that this morning. So turn to John, the 12th chapter, if you have your Bibles, your phones, your notebooks, iPads, whatever you use today. John chapter 12, verses 12 to 19 this morning. Hey, I have this can, guys, here. Some of you might know this. It's WD-40. Um, but I don't know if you know the history of WD-40. In fact, the WD stands for water disbursement. And the 40 is a number. And what that means is they, they, the, the individual that created this was a, a, a guy from San Diego Rocket Chemical Company. Um, and it was a San Diego-based company, this company that, that started this thing. And what it was was really to help work on, on really like jet engines. And, and WD stands for water displacement. And they were trying to use this cleaning to come along. And it took them 40 tries to get it right. That's where you get WD-40. Water displacement, 40 tries. That's what it is. And because of this, they only had like several applications at the beginning. Uh, it was supposed to be able to just be a degreaser for like engines and, and big engines and aircraft engines. But after they created, they found it had a lot of different applications. Some of you might be using this as, as a degreaser, right? It restores our old items. It cleanses items. It removes stains. And, and the list goes on. If you go to WD40.com, it gives over 2,000 applications for WD40. 2,000. You can use it on anything. It's that miracle working uh, item that you always have in your home. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus is our spiritual WD40. All right? What I, what I mean that he has many applications to our life, right? He protects us. He restores us. He cleanses us. He removes the blemishes from us. He removes the blemishes from our past. And the list goes on and on. So let's put on a little WD Jesus right in our life, right? That's what WD40 does in our life this morning. 
Listen, because of all the application, that's why we worship him. That's why we're here this morning, right? My sermon message is just worship Jesus this morning. We're here to just worship Jesus, right? The, the word worship just means how we express our reverence and adoration to God. And worship is much deeper than just singing. We think that we come in here, we have a, a worship service where we come and we just sing, but it's much deeper than that. Worship is what we do. Worship is an expression of our reverence and adoration to God. In fact, speaking to the enemy, Jesus speaking to Satan says this, you shall worship the Lord your God and in homely you shall serve. Worship is just not expression. It's the expression of our words as much as it's expression of our service. That's part of our worship this morning. In fact, worship means, guess this, guys. Can you tell me what worship means in your own words, maybe? It means to, to throw a kiss. It means to throw a kiss, right? It, it's a reference act. It's a, it's a kiss on a hand. It's to, it's to give reverence to. This is our aspect of service this morning, that as we worship God, we worship Jesus, we're expressing our love to him. On our mission statement, you'll see one of our E4 purpose is to express love. We express our love to God and we express our love to others. We're always a, a body that is a, has expressions of that love. That's our worship. Our life is worship, right? So when we get into chapter 12, let me give you a little back history, some story, because you have to understand what's going on, right? This story, verse 12, starts Sunday morning, but you have to go back to the night before. It's a Saturday night, and Jesus is invited to a dinner party, to a dinner date, to Lazarus and Mary and Martha's house, and the disciples are there, and Simon the leper's there. Can you imagine Saturday night? We just had Saturday last night, and, and there was a party, and that's where Mary anoints Jesus' uh, feet and washes his feet with her hair and washes his feet with the oil, right? So this is all happening the night before at a dinner party. Have you ever, ever been to a party? Any of you guys ever been to a party? Birthday party, family party, graduation parties. Yeah, we all been to parties and there's food there. There's celebration going on. There's all these things happen. While there was a party the night before this event takes place, as we know, it's the Palm Sunday that triumphed Jesus into Jerusalem. There's a party going on. This gospel, gospel of John chapter 12, we're basically at the halfway mark. The first part has been, we've been looking at his life, looking at his ministry, looking at his history, but now the last 12, 12 chapters or whatever chapters left over, we're looking at the last week of his life through his death, burial, and resurrection and his ascension. And so we're going to see that he's performed many, many miracles by this time. He's forgiven people of sins. He's healed the deaf. He's, he healed the blind. And he's even raised Lazarus from the death. He's done all these great miracles up to this point. And now he's coming into the city and they're going to worship Jesus. So we want to read the passages. So I'm going to have my sister here, Maddie, come and, and read the verse this morning for us this morning. We're going to read John chapter 12, verses 12 to to 19 this morning, and I have her read it this morning for us so we can study it. Put it down right here. I'll, I'll put it up if you want to read it here. John chapter 12. Okay, 15, 12, 19. We're going to start here at uh, 12, 12 to 19. 
Okay, there you go. The next day, a great multitude that had come to the festival when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, Fear not your daughter, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming. Sit on a donkey, call. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things are written about him and that they had done these things to him. Therefore, the people who were with him when he called Lazarus come out of his tomb and raised from the dead. Or witness. For this reason, the people also met him because they heard that he had, had done this sign. The Pharisees therefore then said among themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look at the world has gone after him. Thank you. Let's pray. Father Heaven, we thank you again for this morning. We thank you for your love and your blessings. We pray for our time this morning as we enter in to look at this passage of worshiping Jesus. Um, Lord, we pray that you speak to our hearts, speak to the kids' hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna look at three things about worship this morning. And those three things, here's the first one, guys. We worship with our praise. We worship with our praise. You know, um, when, when we were growing up, my kids were growing up really young. We used to go over to Coronado on 4th of July because we had a friend who was a chaplain in the military. And we used to spend the day with him because that was a special day. That was a patriotic day. And we used to go over to Coronado. And going over to Coronado, they used to do the, the, the 4th of July parade. It was a, a, a patriotic parade. It was a, a parade that everybody in the city used to go to. And when we used to go to this city, everybody would line the streets. Everybody would come and they would clap and they would see the marching bands. They would see the military walking down. They would see all those things happening because this was a day that you celebrated our country. This was a day that you celebrated the military and our, our, our Independence Day. Let me tell you something. This picture of the story here is a parade. Jesus is coming into a city and all the people have heard that he's coming and it's a, in some ways a patriotic day because they're celebrating King Jesus. They're coming and he's walking in and can you imagine they're all lined up, they heard he was coming and they're celebrating his entrance. That's the picture that you see in the story. Young and old on the streets, worshiping Jesus with their praise, with their ador adoration, lifting up his name. You got to understand what has happened here. He had just been in Bethany two miles away when he's coming into this city. And when is he entering into this city? Guess what? He has a people, bunch of people with him. Because remember, he had the 17 people at the party and they're traveling into the city. There's people that heard that he was coming. They're coming along. So it wasn't just Jesus on a donkey coming into a city. He had a posse with him that was coming into the city. And the people heard that he was coming into the city and they're celebrating him as come in. But we know that there was preparation in his coming. Look at verse 12. It says, the next day a great multitude had come to the feast. And when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. We read earlier that the multitudes had already come into Jerusalem getting ready 
for the Passover, the big, another big event. They were getting ready for Easter Sunday. They're getting ready to, to, to be able to sacrifice animals. So the multitudes were already coming into Jerusalem. Think about this, guys. They were coming into the city and they were bringing their own little lambs because they had to slaughter or sacrifice the lambs for the forgiveness of sin, for the atonement of sin. So they could have been over, it could have been over 250,000 people into the city, uh, people coming and bringing these lambs. They said there were 256,000 lambs that were slaughtered that were brought them. So that, that represented millions of people. They said it could have been up to 2 million people that might have been in this small city of Jerusalem. And these lambs are coming into the city. And then Jesus is coming into the city. And guess what? He's the lamb of God that's taken away the sins of the world. He's walking into the city with the multitudes of lamb with his posse. But they heard that he was coming. They heard that he was coming. There was talk on the street already with the religious leaders. Remember, the religious leaders have put out a, a, a warrant on Jesus' arrest. If you remember the story, they said, if you see Jesus or you hear about him, let us know about him when he's coming so we might seize him. We know that says that earlier in the scriptures. And so they were anticipating. Those who saw Lazarus' resurrection were anticipating him. They were expecting his company. And when they came, what did they do? They came prepared because they took up branches, guys. They took up branches. And when they entered in, some of the gospels tell this story. It says not only did they take up branches, but they also took some clothes and threw it on the ground. They also took the branches and waved it in the air. They also do that. And the kids are going to do that this morning in a few minutes. They're going to take the branches and we're going to worship God by showing who Jesus is by worshiping with our praise. In fact, palm branches were a symbol of, of victory, of triumph. Palm branches were a, a Jewish symbol of nationalism in a sense of this patriotic parade. That was the, that was the symbol of the, of the palm branches. Jesus wasn't coming to conquer this world, but he was revealed himself as the son of God. That's what he's doing here. He's coming in with his posse in a parade-like fashion. And they went to meet him. And they were watching him as he entered into this city, right? I grew up in, in, in East LA and in, in, in right next to, to Alhambra and Pasadena. What do we celebrate every New Year's Eve, New Year's Day? The Rose Bowl, not just the game, right? But the Rose Parade, the Rose Parade, right? And my, growing up, we used to, growing up when we were young, we used to go to the Rose Parade. But we'd always go there the night before because if you go there the night before, you could get a good seat on the road. And so in high school, my buddies eyes, we used to go out, go find hangout, and we used to find a spot to stay up all night so we could see and be in the best spot for the Rose Parade. I could imagine when they heard Jesus coming that they were like, man, we got to get a spot. We got to get a good spot on the roadside roads here as people enter into Jerusalem. We got to find our spot. And so I'm sure that this crowd was fighting for a position to see this Jesus, this Messiah. I'm hoping this morning as we worship Jesus, guys, that we're having that same desire. Man, I got to get to church so I can see this Jesus. I got to get to church so I can praise him. I got to get to Jesus and find my spot because some of you have the same spot every Sunday. You have, you have your name said reserved for Jorge, reserved for, because you guys don't move around. You have your same spot. You go to every Sunday. Right, Miss Julie Herrera and stuff? You have your same spot. But my challenge is, I hope you're not rushing to church to find your same spot, but you're rushing to church to meet with Jesus this morning. That's, that's what I'm hoping you're coming to. 
because these people were coming to say, man, I just want to, I heard about this Jesus and I want to praise him. I want to sing about him. And so they're beginning to praise him at his coming. Look at 13. And they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Hey, young people, you're down here. Can you say, and church, can you say, say, yeah, count of three, yeah, Hosanna. One, two, three, Hosanna. When When Jesus was coming into the city, they were screaming that. They were screaming, Hosanna. Hosanna, blessed he comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. We know that Jesus came in three different ways, right? He came as a, a humble child in a manger. We celebrate Christmas, so we celebrate this humble child. He came as here as a king on a donkey, and he will come as later as the judge known as faithful and true on a white stallion with his eyes of fire and swords from his mouth. But this event... This specific event was a great reception. It was a great reception, right? I, I love doing weddings. Weddings are important. And you have the celebration of the bride and the groom. But well, what, what follows a great wedding? A wedding reception, right? And you all get to go to that wedding reception and there's food and there's all these things around. You're waiting. But what they do in tradition and culture is that the, the bride and the groom, they come in, the, the, the bride and the groom come in and they introduce this new couple and everybody cheers on at this reception, this new couple. Let me tell you, Jesus is the groom and the people are the bride. And he's coming into a city because he wants them to see the picture of this new church that was about to, to take place. And he was, everybody was worshiping him. He was, it was at a reception, they're receiving him, right? Why? Because God inhabits the praises of his people. I want you to hear that. God inhabits the praises of his people. And they're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. That word is used six times in the scriptures, five times in the New Testament. In in the Hebrew, it means to, to save us or to save now. They were singing Psalm 118, 25, and 26. When they were saying, Hosanna, they were actually singing about their salvation. They were singing and praising God about, you have saved us, God. You're the Messiah. They were proclaiming with a loud voice who he was and the purpose by which he came. Hosanna is an expression of adoration. And why? Because they're worshiping him as their king, the king of Israel. And Jerusalem, as he enters in, was the capital. They're worshiping God, saying, God, you save us. That would be the exact thing that Pilate would put on the cross when they crucified Jesus. He was the king of the Jews. He was a king. And we worship him and we praise him this morning as the king of the Jews. He says, Hosanna, he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In fact, the word blessed means this is the same word for praise. We celebrate with praise. The crowd praised him and honored Jesus as the Messiah. The psalmist writes, my praise shall be on you My praise shall be of you in the great assembly. My praise shall be continually of you. Guys, as we talk about worship God, the first thing that we are called to do as a community is always to give praise to God, to worship God with our life, with our voice, with our mouth, with our expression. 
That's what it is. But let me tell you something. The first is we, we worship God with our praise. Here's the second thing. We worship the God with our giving. We worship the God with our giving. The greatest, giving is the greatest act of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Acts 20 says this, it's more blessed to, to give than receive. God knew the power of giving and what it could do for us in our souls. It's not that God needed anything from us, but the giving, but our giving does something for us. He doesn't need it, but it does something for us. The power of a gift giving will change history. The gift in this story is the donkey. The gift in this story is the donkey, right? Nothing fancy, but something simple. The owner of this special beast was called upon by God to release his possessions for the benefit of others. And we are called to do the same. The gift was a part of the fulfillment of God's prophetic plan. Let me tell you something. We don't know the name of the gift giver here, but we know the gift, right? And this was a special gift. This donkey was a special gift. The triumphant entry is a fulfillment of prophecy. Look at verses 14 and 15. It says, Then Jesus, he who had found a young donkey, sat on it and has written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him, that they had done these things to him. I like doing puzzles. Any of you guys like here doing puzzles? Right? You know what a puzzle is? You, know what, you like puzzles, right? You like puzzles? Yeah, we do puzzles. When you get puzzles, you don't necessarily, you kind of get a view of the picture, but you got to put all the pieces together, right? And sometimes you got to start on the outside of it, and then you start putting in your, you're trying to put the pieces together so it makes a picture. A puzzle, at first you really don't see the whole picture, but as you work on it, the picture begins to emerge. The Old Testament points to the New Testament. It's the beginning of the puzzle, right? It's a, it's a puzzle pieces, but the full picture happens of that puzzle in the, in the New Testament as you begin to put the pieces together. The prophecies are part of the pieces being put together so you could see the whole picture. We just see part of the picture in the Old Testament, but the fulfillment or the full picture comes in the, in the New Testament when all the pieces come together. And so there are many, many prophecies as part of the pieces for us to see. We know that Jesus was going to be born of a virgin because the Old Testament spoke of that, right? We know them as him as the suffering Messiah in Isaiah 53. We know there were many, there were over 300 plus prophecies about who he was and how he was going to be here. We know these things. And we know there's a prophecy speaking here, right? The prophecy speaks of Jesus coming in the city, riding on a donkey, right? That was a prophecy, found out Zechariah 9.9 that Jesus would enter into a city, the city of Zion, on a donkey. Hundreds of years before this even happened, they spoke about the Messiah coming in humility on a donkey, on a colt. You would think that God would come on a fancy stallion or with an entourage of military people, but he came on a donkey. He will later come on a stallion when he returns his second coming as a king. But right here, he's coming as a, a humble serpent. And notice it says that when, can you imagine this as, this, as in Jesus, uh, in the gospels, Matthew tells us and Mark and Luke tells the story of Jesus talking to disciples as they're in Bethany, ready to come to Jesus. says, go to the city 
and there's going to be a donkey tied up. And I want you to go untie that donkey and bring him to me. And if anybody says, what are you doing? You, you, you carjacking my donkey? What are you doing? And it says, the master needs it. And they'll add, and they said, okay. And they said, okay. So they, can you imagine like me telling Jason, Jason, go over here to City Heights and go get me a, a, a Motorola car or whatever, a Nissan car, because the master needs it. And can you bring it over here to me? People think you're crazy. So you go up to somebody's house. You always get, try to get in the car. You're saying, hey, wait a minute. That's not your car. Oh, oh but the master needs it. <laughs> like, how crazy is that? Right? And so Jesus sends the disciples. They go, and sure enough, they go, and they find the donkey that's never been rid on. They, they take it, and they go, what are you doing the donkey? It's the master. And they released it. They released it, and they bring it to these Jesus. This was the gift. This was the gift given by this family to use for the glory of God, for the worship service. Guys, there are supernatural things that God does in his provision for us and for all of us. And we see this story being taken place, right? And so we see the story of the giving of the gift. But I love the obedience of the disciples. They were obedient to listen to the words of Jesus to go do what he said exactly, even when it didn't even make sense. And they went, they did it. They brought it to Jesus. Jesus gets on the donkey. They're coming. They're out two miles outside of the city, the Mount of Olives. They got to take the donkey, go down through the Kidron Valley, come up through up to the city and walk into it. And the whole entourage is coming. And that's all that's, that's happening. Let me challenge you with this. What special gift can you offer up to the Lord? And you don't even need any recognition. What special gift that God's put on you, right? It might, be, it might be insignificant to you, but it's not to God. It might be very insignificant to you, but it's not to God. What is it that you can give to help others learn to worship God? What abilities, what talents, what treasures do you have to offer up to God? You know, a donkey here means that these people weren't very wealthy. They weren't very wealthy, but they were generous people to willing to give up their own transportation for the purpose of Jesus. Think about, God, what is it you put on my heart? What abilities, what talents, what things can I use to worship you in my life? We want to remember that. So first, we worship with our praise. Second, we worship with our giving. Here's the third thing, guys. We worship with our testimony. Last week, I shared with you how to share your faith, how to share your story. And throughout the scriptures, we see Jesus touched many, many people, specifically in the gospel of John. He's touched many. John the Baptist bore witness of who Jesus was. For behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The Samaritan witness after she met Jesus at the well bore witness of him and told the whole city. The lame man by the pool of Siloam bore witness of him and the religious leaders got mad, right? The blind man Jesus healed, said, I don't know, I was once blind, but this man, Jesus, touched me, but now I see. He bore witness of Jesus. And those who witnessed Lazarus' resurrection bore witness of him. We see that in John chapter 12. Everybody that touched was touched by Jesus bore testimony and bore witness of him because they were touched radically in their lives. Look at verse 17 and 18, speaking about those who were testifying. Therefore, the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb, raised him up from the dead and bore witness 
For this reason, the people also met him because they heard that he had done this sign. Our testimony, our testimony is important. Our story is important. God has literally spiritually resurrected our lives. And we got to tell other people about it, right? You, the, word, the word there, the word test is in the word testimony. You have been tested in your life. You cannot have a testimony unless you have been tested, right? And so there's been things that we've been tested by in order to build this testimony. And you're telling how Jesus has done something in your life. And you're telling how, you're telling how God has changed you to others, your testimony. It's a life testimony. The people I witnessed, the resurrection of Lazarus, now they're, I could imagine these are the same people that were in Bethany walking with Jesus and Lazarus into Jerusalem. And they're saying, man, let me tell you what I saw. Let me tell you, because many believed when that happened. I'm sure these are the many who believe, saying, I saw it, I believe it, and I'm telling you about it. Man, if you're not going to tell your testimony, maybe you need to tell somebody else's testimony that you got saw changed. Maybe you need to say, let me tell you about this guy I knew who was once like this, but he is now like this. He was away from God, but now he's near God. See, these people are giving testimony about what they saw. And they didn't realize in their testimony that the disciples and all that they were doing and all that the disciples are doing and all that was happening here, the scripture says that they didn't even realize that it was prophecy until after the resurrection. Like they didn't realize that they said, when we saw this, the resurrected, we saw the donkey, we saw this and oh, we remember when Jesus glorified, we would understand these things. There are times we're doing things we don't even realize that God is using it to fulfill his agenda and his purpose. We don't even realize we're, we're, the, we're, the, we're, the, we're, the, we're the clay in the potter's hands. We don't even realize that we're the tools in the master carpenter. We don't even realize that God is using us for these things. And we're like, later on you're saying, oh my gosh, I actually was used by God. But in the moment, you may not even think that. But you will see it later as evidence of the work of God. But there was a response to the worship. There was a response to the testimony. There was a response to the giving. There was a response to the praise. And we find that in verse 19. It says, The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, You see that you're accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. It's crazy, right? Jesus is having an impact on others. They're worshiping him. The people have been worshiping as he comes in the street. But the religious leaders, are, they're, they're panicking. They're like, wait a minute, they're worshiping God and now people are going after, going after Jesus, right? Jesus is having an impact. He's touching lives and they're going after Jesus. They're, they're worshiping him. You know what they say? The world's gone crazy. The world's gone crazy after Jesus. When you come to faith, they're gonna say, man, you're just crazy. You're fanatical. You're a religious fanatic. That's what people say about who you are. You're a religious fanatic. Well, I don't put my hat book crooked when I go to baseball games, right? I don't paint on my face when I go to Charger games, right? I'm like, you're talking about religious fanatics, right? There's sports fanatics, right? There's a lot of fanatics out there, but those things don't give you life, 
right? Those things don't transform you. Actually, those things take from you. They don't give to you and stuff. And so here, they were like, man, they're going after Jesus. These religious seers saying the worship of the people. They're seeing the giving of the people. They're seeing the testimony of the people. And they're saying, man, their words are having an impact. May, may New Vision people, family, may our words have impact in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our place of work, and wherever God has placed us. May we have influence with our, with our testimonies. I pray that that's our day. So I just want to take a moment as we close this morning. I wanted to keep it brief, simple, because we have the kids here. We worship with our praise, I said. I'm going to try something here, and I want you to participate. Kids can participate. Adults can participate. I want you to give you an opportunity this morning, briefly, just one or two words, maybe a sentence, what do you want to praise God for this morning? That we want to join you in your praise as a church. Stand up. What do you want to give God praise for? You can stand up and tell everybody. For waking me up in the morning. For waking me up in the morning, he says, I want to praise God. Amen, amen. Who else? What are we praising God for this morning? Anybody? Anybody wants to share? What are we praising God for this morning? He's praised God for his family. Anybody else? Somebody else? For bringing him here. Praising God. What are we praising God for this morning? Stand up, share. I know. If not, you can't praise God, then nothing's happening. Julius? Well, thank you. <laughs> what are we praising God for this morning? For family. For family. What are we praising God for? Serving the ministry. What are we praising God for this morning? My family and friends. Your family and friends. Woo! Christina. Saving from, Saving from addiction. In the back. Woo! I can't hear you. Stand up. For a sobriety. What else? Larry. Prayer warriors at the church. What are some other things we can praise God for? Citizens of heaven. What are we praising God for? For loving my family. What are we praising God? God, there should be like, we should be, it should be outpouring because this is an act of worship. For his love and mercy. For his love and mercy. So we, we should be expressing, you know, when we worship and we take a moment to take those Selah moments, the Bible talks to Psalms, there's, it says the word Selah means to meditate or to think. What that is, is our time to give God praise. It's our time to worship him, that we need to be a church that expresses that love to God and to one another. We need to be a church that says, thank you for my brothers and sisters in the seats. Thank you for the brother calling me up or the sister calling me up when I was down. Thank you, God, I praise you that the families called me when I was hurting or came alongside when I was burdened. Lord, I thank you for the community. We gotta be a people of praise. We gotta be a thinker of thanksgiving. We gotta be people that are, are, are lifting up so people would see that we are different. Because that's what worship is. That's what praise is. So we worship with our praise. Here's the second thing. We worship with our giving. We worship with our giving. Here's a question. Would you personally pray about giving? What is that one thing you would like to be generous in? Maybe there's things that God's put on your heart and say, God, I need to be generous with this. Maybe it's your time of taking somebody somewhere. Maybe it's your giving to the church. Maybe it's, maybe whatever it is. Where is it that God's pointing you to to be generous? Maybe it's going to Starbucks and paying for the person behind you. Whatever it is, what is God moving you to be generous and giving in? Because it's more blessed 
to give than it is to receive. And so my challenge to you this morning is, what is it that one thing God stirring me that I might be a generous giver? A generous giver. Here's the last thing, guys. We worship, we worship in our testimony. This might be hard for some of you, and it may be easy for some of you. Who is the one person you would like to share your testimony with this week? Who is that one person you would like to share your testimony with this week? Who has God put it on your heart? Who is it that you're who is it that you need to say, can I just tell you what? good thing has happened in my life. I shared that one minute wit with the witness with you last week. Who is it you're going to do that with this week? Because all that is worshiping Jesus. All that is what we're doing this morning. As we close, we're going to close and worship with communion this morning. And I'm going to bring the team over to come this morning Thanks for communion for and bring Contact the worship team this morning as we close. As we close in song, as we close in communion, um, we're going to come and... Uh, lead us this morning uh, this morning as we go